Welcome to Ask the Oracle, the official Ironshorn RPG podcast. Welcome back. This is session three. We're continuing our From the Ashes campaign with Matt Click. Welcome back, Matt. Hey, thanks. Excited to dive back in. Yeah. Uh, in our last couple of sessions, we spent our first session building a world. We spent our second session creating characters and setting an initial scene. We defined what Ironshorn refers to as our inciting incident, which is the problem we're dealing with immediately as we sort of kick off our narrative. That particular problem was we're both uh, soldiers in a war band. The war band was attacked and destroyed. Basically, everyone but us turned to ash by this strange pillar device. Now we're in the wilderness alone. We somehow have to return the banner of a war band to our chief of our clan and carry this uh, dire news back to her. So that's our immediate intent and goal in the game. Uh, we've also have some mysteries to solve here of what this pillar is and how we can, we can potentially stop it. And there's a lot wrapped up in there. Yeah. So kicking off here, I think we just want to, because we sort of set up this, we dove into a scene, sort of set up the scene. It's not dissimilar from when you are reading a book or diving into a movie where you introduce characters and setting, but you don't you don't have necessarily all the background that led you right. there, right? Especially when you're starting sort of in the middle of a moment. In media so, res. In media res, yeah, exactly. So I think it's good to go back and, and just answer a couple of these hanging questions for us so we can help understand from our character's perspective what's going on because our characters at this point, we assume, know a little bit more than we do, right? Right. The first thing is, who was this enemy force. Um, and I think what we should just do is roll an action theme oracle. I think we sort of set the stage that this is some enemy warband. We're probably yeah. familiar with them, somebody we have fought before, but they, they didn't wield this sort of power. So this is all right. new. So I'm going to go ahead and roll action theme and we'll just, we'll interpret that. Cool. Uh, so the action theme oracles we talked about last time, they're just sort of an abstract noun verb combination the, that you tend to sort of interpret to the situation. They're a little bit more of an open-ended answer than a more specific answer like, tell me this person's name or yep. what is this person's goal or something like that that the other oracles might provide. And I got uphold religion. Uphold religion. Oh, man. Oh, that's interesting. So immediately I'm thinking that because we had talked last time about the Iron Priests. Yeah. Uh, that uh, sort of revere those the pillars of iron that are mm. exist in our iron lands. Yep. Um, so potentially the reason that we're at war with this other war band is they're trying to potentially like spread their their faith across the iron lands or something like that. Yeah. So a little bit of a cult, right? So yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe much like our clan is led by this charismatic uh, leader, they have. A charismatic religious leader who has yeah. perhaps banded together several disparate communities under the the religion of the Iron Pillars, and now they have this nuclear bomb essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. That kind of fits right in with what we were already sort of leaning towards. I think. Do we want to give them like this clan a name or something like that? Yeah. the settlement name generator so i'll do the first roll here is 27 so that puts it on a man-made edifice and i roll again i get 61 which gives me stone tower (laughs) 
which is <laughs> kind of pillarish, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty pillarish. That's really weird. Yeah. Cool. So I think that works. <clears throat> we could call if we wanted to really hone in on it. We could call them Iron Tower. So let's go with let's go with Stone Tower. And I almost yeah. like the idea of like there's a pillar in the land that was actually like an oversized like edifice, like a building, you know. Oh and, yeah, and sort of a, like a hollowed out structure that oh, uses cool, sand yeah. materials a pillar and that's what this that's what the original sort of village is is keyed around and maybe maybe them sort of digging into discovering some buried ruins underneath this thing is what led them to their this uh new weapon they have they're wielding that i like that a lot okay. that makes a lot so, of sense the stone tower clan i imagine their banner is just like a pillar shape right just yep. like yep i like that yeah, let's run with that. So let's dive sort of back into the scene. I think that at least gives us a little bit of context. We now know what we can report on when we yeah. <laughs> get where we're going. Yep. So where we left things, we uh, had sworn our own vow to return the banner to Satara, who is our clan chief. And we had heard a noise from um, deeper into the camp where we um, had set up camp before we were attacked, which is our potential uh, companion here, the the wyvern, mm-hmm. and I I picture that noise coming from maybe maybe we are camped in a, like a copse of of woods, right? So yeah, so I'm there. I've got this this banner in hand that I just sworn an iron vow on, and you sort of feel the latent thrum of that energy sort of fade away as as we turn that this sound picks up again, this cry sound. The banner I'm carrying, because we need a symbol for our clan. Oh yeah, it is a you know the we should go into the beast aspect a little bit. Like oh yeah, um, how about how about like a hawk and maybe Satara has like an elder hawk companion oh, cool. that's like a dire yeah. hawk. Yeah, this is huge hawk. Um, I think that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, I'm down with that. So what do you do? Uh, so I ha- I knelt down <clears throat> to um, swear my vow alongside you and uh as we kind of stand and hear that cry again from deeper in the camp i sort of look to you and say oh perhaps we're not the only survivors it seems that way and i don't have a weapon so you see me grab this uh the banner and almost like a spear right sort of in both hands or like a staff like ready to wield it if i need to and I direct my gaze toward the deeper woods and go marching purposefully in that direction. And I reach back and pull the sword off my back, this weapon that was inexplicably uh, not turned to ash by the effect of the pillar. And I'll pull it from its scabbard and it gives its sort of telltale like, like strange sort <laughs> of harmonic vibrations that sort of speak to its uh, strange and ancient origin. And uh, I grip it with both hands and sort of, uh, I would sort of take the lead, I think, since you're holding a banner and I have an actual weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would sort of take the lead and, and lead us deeper into the camp, uh, keeping a watchful eye out in all directions. Cool. And we know night was falling when we had first recovered, when yeah. we had first woken up. So I imagine it's settling in now and especially in these deeper woods it's dark there's this floating ash although we're past that the 
that sort of radius of destruction that we had described where everything, grass, trees, beast, man had, had been blown away to ash. Um, there's still a lot of it sort of filtering through here, like, like black snow. And you might even mistake it for snow right in the darkness, right? Just because it's right. sort of flakes and thin, thin particles of ash floating through. Um, I'm still brushing ash away from my face and my eyes as I walk behind you, gaze intent on the shadows. And we see, uh, as we probe a little bit into the woods, we start, we see this, uh, couple of scattered wagons there, some crates and boxes off to the side. And what do we see there? Uh, so I think we see, um, uh, on the wagon, we see that there, uh, one of them is maybe toppled over and, uh, it's contents sort of scattered on the ground. And there's a second wagon nearby, uh, laden with stuff and in the back there, there's a, a cage uh, inside, almost too big for the cage. Uh, its tail kind of snaking out of the cage is a uh, like mastiff-sized wyvern in there. And as it probably smells us on the air, it sort of cranes its neck, and uh, we see those like steely eyes sort of staring at us from the the sort of twilight of uh, the sun setting. And uh, I would sort of ease a little bit and lower my sword, uh, seeing that it's uh, not just a, a young wyvern, but one of the wyverns that uh, was being carried by our troops. I look at it, turn to you, our warband, it's now numbers three. Let's get it free and see if it's hurt. Uh, wyvern could be helpful in our journey back home. Uh, careful, I say. This, this one is young, not fully trained. She's in a cage for a reason. I would approach slowly. I, I put the sword back because I imagine that these, uh, being war beasts, they're, uh, they're made to sort of identify weapons and stuff. And so I would sheath my sword and uh, come forward, putting my hands out uh, and uh, try to calm this thing uh, And uh, before I release it from the cage. Um, I think I should uh, make a roll of some kind here. Well, what are you trying to do? Um, I think I'm going to try and maybe like make a bond with this thing if possible. I could also think of it as a compel action, like just to sort of calm it down and yeah. create that initial, um, arguably forge a bond is like a, the trigger for that is like spending time together and developing yeah, a relationship. So once we've been together for a while, yeah, yeah. might be something you do once you've faced a couple hardships together, yeah. um, just to cement that. Yeah. I think compel makes more sense. I, I put my hands out and I I start speaking softly to it in scald the language of uh, my people, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm gonna try and uh, pacify it here. So I'm using heart. Great. Oh, and it's not great. <laughs> that is a miss. Um, and so I sort of I'm speaking quietly to this thing. I get up close to it, and uh, I think it may be. Uh, lashes out at me with its tail uh, as I get close to it. Um, so I'm going to need to pay the price here. I think maybe... Uh, I think taking some harm would be an obvious thing. Um, yeah. Um, just having its its tail sort of whip out. It's got a tail actually ends in a in a point that yeah, slices like it across yeah. you as it, as it swings at you. Yeah, so this tail lashes out and kind of catches 
me across the arm and uh, I sort of wince and stumble backwards and uh, grabbing my arm, I sort of look back at you and say, younger than I thought. So let's do an endure harm for that. So mm-hmm. I think probably two harm since that was a pure failure, not a, not a weak hit, I think is, is uh, about right. Yeah. So you're going to, so. you're going to drag your health track down by two. Yeah. Health is one of the four tracks that you use to sort of manage your character status in Iron Sworn. And when you, when you take some physical damage, you make a move called Endure Harm, which sort of represents how that impacts you, whether you're sort of able to bounce back quickly from that or whether it has a more lingering impact. Man, I, uh, I just rolled another miss. So I'm also going to suffer minus one momentum here. All right. uh, so I think that um, as, uh, as the Wyvern kind of lashes out and as uh, I feel kind of blood coming uh, out through my armor, um, I sort of realize just how tired I am and how shaken I am and how long it's been since I've eaten or had a drink or anything like that. And so I'm sort of realizing just how ill-equipped I, I am to deal with this situation. Yeah. So I, so I maybe, you know, I stumble backwards and maybe even make to get up quickly and then sort of sit back down on the ground, sort of like, oof, I'm going to take a moment here. That sounds good. As you're, as you're doing that, I study the creature a bit, standing a bit back from the cage and sigh. Well, we can't leave her here. We can't trust her not to do that again. Maybe we just let her go, see what happens. And you know what's cool is sort of a result of that mess too, the idea that this, this, this creature is not going to be useful to you um, for the moment. Yeah. Let's say we let it go and it's going to follow us because it doesn't know anything else, but yeah. it's going to be keeping its distance, right? Um, right. Until we can manage to gain its trust. Yeah, so potentially I think that's a way to bond with it or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to fulfill the sort of the outcome of that move. And yeah, but still, since it's an asset for you, still keep it in our narrative, not lose it. Yeah. So I will maybe uh, I kind of look around for a second and I see uh, maybe a crate of spears. I'll kind of walk up and uh, grab one of the spears and uh, use it at a distance to sort of pop the cage open, sort of fitting it in and wrenching the front of the cage open. And I uh, imagine the wyvern sort of cautiously snakes its head out and begins emerging from the cage. Uh, and I would maybe toss the spear to you since you don't have a weapon. That sounds good. I wonder if that's a face danger move. Like, do we want to sort of play off the Ooh, idea of that yeah. mess? And we don't really know if this, how this is going to go for you. Not that yeah, I want to compound your misses. You're no. rolling here. But. <laughs> no, let's do it. Right, let's get the bad dice mojo out of the way here. So face danger is a good sort of catch-all move for when you're doing something that has a, a unknown sort of risky element to it, which I think is is what we're doing here. Like we don't know how this creature is going to react. You've been bloodied. Like who knows, right? So mm-hmm. this is another move where you sort of roll with the stat that's sort of most appropriate to your approach as you face yeah. this danger. So. so I'm going to say that I, I reach into my bag and I find uh, I've got some like dried venison in my bag, just sort of trail rations. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I pop the cage open, I kind of and I sort of throw it off into the distance. Uh, so I'm basically I'm going to try and sort of trick this wyvern into going in the other direction. So I'm going to go ahead and roll shadow. That sounds good. Hey, that's better. That is a strong hit. I'm successful. I take plus one momentum and uh, I picture the wyvern 
looking at me for a split second, maybe looking at you, sniffing the air, and then just taking off with like a like just like flash of movement off after the uh, venison, just like leaving a cloud of ash in its wake. That sounds good. I examine the spear. Seems like a good weapon. Uh, I take a look at the surrounds in the camp here. And I'm wondering if there's any like useful armor clothing, like we had sort of narrated the fact that like even my armor and most of my clothes have been blown away by this device. So I think I might just ask the Oracle, is there some useful supplies to get me geared up for our journey here? Good idea. I think we call that likely. Yeah. Uh, within the Ask the Oracle move, there's just a, a table you can use that's basically to answer specific yes-no questions. Um, that's what I'm going to roll on. Cool. So if something is likely, I just have to roll 26 or greater for it to be true. And I rolled nine. Okay. Which is a bummer. So yeah, yeah apart from the, the spear here, nothing really else that's uh, useful for us to uh, start our journey. So I almost wonder if we should go a little bit on low on supply to reflect that. I was going to say, maybe we should start at a little bit lower supply since we're sort of waking up with, uh, you know, our weapons destroyed and our yeah. companions missing and stuff. That sounds good. Let's, let's put it down to two. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of look to you. Uh, I'm very, very quickly bandaging up my arm just with some extra cloth I have in my bag. And uh, I look to you and say, how far to home? Do you know? We don't know where Satara and the main force are assembled right now. We uh, we haven't. Uh, let's say that we communicate via uh, ravens, maybe. Yeah. Um, yep. Ravens and hawks carry messages. So uh, we haven't seen a hawk for many days, I think, for a moment. Then I say Rockfall. Rockfall. My eyes grow a bit distant. That's where I first met her. I shake off the memory. They are allied with Satara. They will know her whereabouts or have hawks or ravens we can send to communicate with her. How do you know Rockfall wasn't the next destination for that army we faced? I don't. I can only hope that isn't the case. We'll have to move at speed. To- yeah. Yeah, we should move quickly. I don't have much in the way of food water supplies, but hopefully we can gather what we can in Rockfall, make do until then. I nod and take one last look at the floating ash here, the essentially the remains of my comrades. And I have the banner in one hand, the spear in the other. I lean the banner over one shoulder, hold the spear and head north. I... Looking back at the the field of ash where everyone fell, these are not uh, people that I consider uh, kin to me. They're simply <laughs> co-workers, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, me being sort of a mercenary soul. But as I see you sort of look back and the look in your eyes, uh, I'll maybe even reach out a hand and place it on your shoulder and say, we'll make sure they don't die in vain. We must, I say. And uh, I'll follow you. And that sounds like a trigger for undertaking a journey. Uh, with an Iron Sworn, there's a sort of a core move you're making when you're traveling through uh, perilous lands. It's undertake a journey. When you first make that move, you're going to define 
the nature of your journey by giving it a rank, much like we gave our quest a rank. Now we're going to decide how difficult and perilous this journey is, how much focus we're going to give it in the story and give it a rank. Um, and I sense that I know the way here. I know these lands maybe. So I think dangerous feels about right to me. Yeah. In our last session, we talked about Rockfall being located up near the mountain. So right. I envision it being in the Tempest Hills at the edge of the Veiled Mountains. Um, so that right now we're traveling through the hinterlands, which are rugged, hilly, forested terrain, which rises up to the Tempest Hills and then further up into the Veils. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we're going to call that a dangerous journey. We're going to call it journey to Rockfall. We're going to start a track here. And I feel like I'm probably leading. Like, um, Yeah. If you had your functioning uh, Wyvern, Wyvern, because it's actually <laughs> yeah. got a uh, ability that facilitates travel, you might be yeah. letting it take the lead, but that's not the case. No. Uh, so Journey to Rockfall, we're going to call it Dangerous, which means as we complete um, segments of that journey, we're going to be marking uh, two boxes on our progress track. So I'll go and roll. It's a plus wits roll just to determine how the particular segment goes. And we'll see what happens. Hopefully luckier than you were with yours. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So that's a three and a six on my challenge dice, a three on my action die. I add my wits, which I seem to recall was two. That's correct. So that's five. So that's it's a weak hit for me. Uh, a weak hit, you reach a waypoint and mark progress, but suffer minus one supply, which is oh. not great because we're already at two. So we're yeah. going to both take our supply track as shared. So we're going to both take that down yeah. to, to one plus one. So that means we're having to sort of move and expand what little sort of food, water, yeah, et cetera, we have as we're moving at speed here. Um, I picture us moving at speed through the hills and woodlands. It's night, so we're barely lit by a pale moon. We're moving as fast as we can over the rugged landscape. Above us, keeping its distance is your wyvern, soon-to-be companion, circling and darting through the night sky. And so when you when you complete a segment, you also sort of define, is there some sort of physical, geographical uh, uh, waypoint that you hit just to sort of mark the completion of that segment of travel? And you can roll on an oracle to define that feature, or you can just uh, uh, envision what you find based on the terrain and the circumstances. And I envision our waypoint as an overlook. So we climb up a rugged hill, break out of a line of trees, and before us is a vast landscape of rough forested terrain, which leads up into the sparsely mm -hmm. wooded terrain of the Tempest Hills, and beyond that, barely visible amid the clouds and mist and pale moonlight is the Veiled Mountains, a huge, imposing wall of ice and stone yeah and i imagine uh kamar is from the the more southerly regions of the Ironlands, and so as he kind of looks upon these 
mountains and these crags and these hills that just keep getting bigger the longer we walk, uh, I would kind of take a breath and sort of prepare myself for another arduous leg of the journey. Um, and I also see looking, looking below, uh, there's a, uh, mountain lake, a mile or two in the distance, um, in a little, uh, nestled into a valley here. And I'm well aware of our, uh, lack of supply at the moment. Um, we're going to need some food to have the strength to undertake this journey. So it seems like maybe we should do a resupply and see if we can, we can elevate that a little bit. Cause in the, uh, uh, another weak so. hit on a journey move is going to zero out our supply, basically. Um, so I have a spear. Yep. I envision myself being able to go, hopefully, uh, do a little bit of uh, spear fishing from the shore, from the shallow water of this lake, um, and get a couple fish for yeah. us. Maybe we'll have to make a quick meal of it uh, before we continue on our way. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, so there's a move for that. Uh, it's called resupply. It just gives you sort of the narrative mechanical uh, boost to your uh, supply track when needed. Uh, triggers when you hunt forage or forage or scavenge. Roll plus wits. So I'm going to roll plus wits. Uh, five of my action die, which I like the sight of, uh, and then a four and a nine on my um, challenge dice. So that's another weak hit. Adding in my wits. Um, we kit on resupply, you take up to two supply, but suffer minus one momentum for each. Mm. Um, that just represents sort of the time, uh, right. it takes to do that sort of, it takes a little bit of the wind out of your sails and whatever current activity. Um, so that's a tough choice. Do I take two supply and, or two momentum and zero out my momentum? I think I do just to give ourselves a boost here. So, yeah. Now, do I also drop my momentum down? No, nope, just you, me, just whoever the makes okay. the move, luckily. Cool. So, yep. cool. so my momentum sits at zero, but we both boost our supply up to three. Yeah. Um, so I picture ourselves around a hastily constructed uh, campfire, um, mm -hmm. just taking a, taking a moment to get some breath. Um, that was probably several hours. So the first glimmer of daylight is now... Um, showing around us through the through the trees yeah i can picture maybe this is a good opportunity to i've got a asset which is a story weaver uh, when oh, you secure yeah. and the first ability the default ability which i have is when you secure an advantage compel or forge a bond by sharing an inspiring or enlightening song poem or tale envision the story you tell and add one Add plus one and take plus one momentum on a hit. So meaning I get a little bonus to the move and then I get a little momentum bonus uh, if I succeed on that to hopefully get out of this um, bad momentum situation I have currently. So so I picture me and you around the campfire. Uh, I have this the, the banner of our clan, this hawk, uh, staked into the ground beside us. And I look to it as I'm peeling away the flesh of this fit, fish. And I nod to the banner and ask you, do you know the meaning of the hawk on that banner? I don't. This clan is uh, not my people, but I'd like to hear the story. And I tell you a story of in the old world. I tell, I tell you tell one of the sort of the foundational stories of this clan and why we bear this, this banner with a hawk. In the old world, there was a clan that fought a great war 
And it was a war against several united clans that were very powerful. Uh, and these people were uh, oppressed by this powerful clan. And they rose up against them, simple villagers, simple farmers, using what weapons they could to fight this uh, horrible, oppressive force. In my own eyes, I could see the soldiers with mud and blood on their faces. And I, and I could see them and I'm almost weaving a vision. And for whatever reason, you could see it too. You could see around the campfire now sitting there with us are these scared, nervous, untrained soldiers. And you could see them around a similar campfire on the night before this great battle. And then I tell the story of this battle and how this, this force, despite their bravery and will was overwhelmed and they're fleeing and you could see them in tear and being run down by mighty war horses. And then you see uh, two people, uh, a man and a woman. They're both middle-aged um, and you see them rallying the soldiers and leading them to this hill. And above them are circling hawks. Their rallying cry stops, stops their fellow soldiers from retreating and they form a line at the top of this hill. And you see this man and this woman standing before them and then the oncoming horde of this powerful army. And it is like they're, it is like waves crashing ineffectually against rocks, like they hold them back. And hours later, after much hard fighting, they stand victorious. And this is the Battle of Hawksnest Hill. Mm. And this man and this woman, who you now see covered in blood, some their own, some of their fellows, some of opposing soldiers, dropping to one knee. You see them months later, now holding hands in a marriage ceremony. And this I tell you, this is Satara's great-grandparents. She is descended from these mighty warriors. She carries their blood. She carries the legacy of that great victory, and she will see us there as well. Now, Storyweaver has an ability, uh, which I don't have marked as of yet, uh, which would allow me to tell a story at camp and to actually provide benefits to my allies. Um, in this case, I'm just securing an advantage. So this is me um, more than anything trying to reinforce my own mental fortitude and remind myself of uh, what at stake here, what my vow means, uh, who I've dedicated these vows to as a way of um, propelling myself forward. So I'm going to roll secure an advantage plus heart. Going to add plus one. And that gives me a strong hit. So per the outcome of the move, I'm going to take a plus two momentum. I'm going to add an additional plus one because of my store weaver ability. Uh, so that gives me plus three total. So, so I've uh, definitely reminded myself of uh, the importance of this mission and 
the meaning of this banner I carry and I'm ready to uh, get back to our journey here. So what what have you what do you do as we sort of like finish our meager meal here and prepare to hit the trail again? Uh, I would I would listen to your story with uh, with a, a small amount of reverence, um, uh, sort of realizing for the first time maybe the the sort of power that your stories have over people. Uh, and as you sort of finish up your story, I sort of catch a glimpse in the woods nearby. Uh, we're sort of near this lake and the trees sort of ringing the lake. I see this shape sort of moving. And at first my hand sort of goes to the hilt of my sword over my shoulder. And then I sort of ease as I realize that it's the, the wyvern, the young mm-hmm. wyvern that we released from its cage uh, back at camp. Uh, and I see it's just kind of watching us, just sort of prowling around the outskirts of the camp, watching us not sort of, uh, not hunting, but just watching. And um, mm-hmm. I will uh, reach down and maybe pick up some of the, like the scraps of fish, the fish skin, the tail, the head that we didn't eat, things like that. I sort of gather that up. And uh, I sort of look to you and say, uh, I'll be right back. And uh, I'm going to try and um, not approach the wyvern directly, but I think I'm going to try and basically start sowing the seeds of friendship with this creature. Right. Um, and so I want to sort of approach the tree line, leave the the bit of fish there, and then come back to camp um, and let the wyvern sort of approach the food on its own. Um, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and do a secure an advantage move, if you think that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Secure an advantage is anytime you're doing sort of preparation or trying to improve your position in the narrative, which I think is the case here, right? I think yeah. the question would be which stat, whether that's like you sort of using uh, wits or heart. I think either either one sort of fits depending yeah. on the framing of it. I think I'm going to go with heart um, because... I think that my my motivation in trying to sort of befriend and take care of this wyvern is just I feel drawn to it. It's yeah. Um, it's another from, outcast, not unlike yeah, yourself. Right? It's another outcast, and it's you know uh, one of three creatures that survived the <laughs> the the battle that we saw, and so I feel a, I feel a kind of strange connection, a, a kinship to it. So um, I'm going to go ahead and use heart, and uh, I kind of walk up and <laughs> I will like sort of. Uh, call back to the camp. I, I'm just uh, just dumping the waste over here, and I'll sort of like leave the food on the ground, and then walk back to camp. Like I don't see the wyvern, like very obviously watching me from the tree line. All right uh, here, I make my heart roll. It's a little bit of a how to train your dragon moment. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Ooh, <laughs> I actually rolled really well. Um, I didn't roll doubles, but I uh, I got a five on the dice. I add three for my heart, and then I rolled a three and a four on the challenge dice. So that gives me a strong hit. Nice. Um, so I get to choose one of the options here. I'm going to go ahead and prepare to act um, and take two momentum from that. And so uh, as I'm as I'm walking back to camp, I hear sort of like just like chomp as the wyvern like grabs the fish and then pulls it back into the into the forest to eat it. Um, and so I feel like I've made a little a little bit of progress with that creature. Um, and uh, I'll sort of come back to camp and maybe I even offer you a small smile as you sort of realize what I was doing. 
yeah, and I'm very aware of what's going on there. And I, I offer a little bit of a nod and a little glimmer of a smile in my eyes in return and finish gathering up my stuff and lean the uh, banner back over my shoulder and heft my spear and head off again. Yeah, and I uh, follow behind you. Uh, so there you go. And then we set off for the next segment of our travels. Um, we marked uh, one segment already. So that gave us two progress. So we'll see how the next one goes. Uh, I'm going to be leading us in that segment again. Uh, that's another weak hit. So that reduces our supply. Yep. Good thing we uh, yep. went fishing. All right. Do you envision anything special here for a uh, waypoint? I think we probably um, we hit the woods that sort of cluster around the base of these foothills. Um, and uh, as we get into the woods, our progress is slowed somewhat. But uh, using my uh, the keen edge of this ancient blade that I carry, I'm able to hack through any sort of uh, brambles or roots that branches that get in the way. And so we sort of hack our way through uh, the dense wilds to get through. Yeah. And I picture like, you know, this is, this is one of those woods that still carries like some of the, you know, deep sort of mysteries and mm -hmm. latent magics of this place. And we notice that there's a lack of animal sounds here and the lack of skittering and bird sounds and stuff that you would expect in the woods, especially early in the morning. It's just eerily quiet yeah. and shadowy. Um, but we plunge, plunge our way through with determination. Yep. And get a mark progress. That's great. We're up to four there on our journey. And I'm going to roll for the next segment, our travel, which is basically navigating through these dark woods, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a solid miss. Oh, man. Waylaid by a perilous event. Yeah. On a, so on a miss, you got to pay the price. You're p p waylaid by a perilous event. And when you're when you're doing these journey moves, like sometimes you decide when you when you're rolling an outcome like this, you're gonna like to sort of narratively apply something like, oh, we forgot we left behind some supplies, or we had to ford this river and you fell and into the cold river, and you know now you're you know chilled to the bone. So you suffer some harm and you can sort of do that and move on. Other times you sort of want to zoom in and and make something happen, right? Um, yeah. I think just by the atmosphere here we have in the Stark Forest, I think it's a good opportunity to to make something uh, happen. So yeah, I agree. I'm not sure what that is. We can we can ask the Oracle or we can we can just sort of come up with something that we think is sort of narratively appropriate and interesting based on the circumstances. I think um, maybe it's a good chance to get into some combat potentially maybe a, a beast uh attacks us or uh we come upon a like a scouting party from the the iron tower guys or the stone tower guys or something like that yeah i'd kind of lean into beast just because i kind of want to leave them as a little bit of like a background sort of yeah. element and mystery for the moment and <laughs> since we got a beast centric setting i think that's cool you know it'd be um yeah how about how about boars boars are just assholes that's what I was thinking um, too. Yeah, we can we can run across an elder boar, which is a oh yeah, you know, oversized, massive creature. Um, Princess Mononoke situation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm a little bit lost in thought walking through these woods and step around this tree, and only a few paces in front of me is this huge elder boar 
who's foraging in the dirt. Uh, it lifts its massive head and bone white tusks in my direction and narrows its red eyes and charges. And that's where we'll, we'll leave it for this session. We'll see what happens with us and the elder boar uh, next session. Sounds good. Yeah, see what, what waits for us in Rockfall. Thank you again, Matt. Um, I'd uh, love to hear uh, like where people can find you on the internet. Yeah, um, you can check out some of the RPGs stuff that I publish at AbsoluteTabletop.com. I also have a Patreon at Patreon.com slash MattClick. And uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well on, at, uh, at MattClick. Awesome. And I'm Sean Tompkin on Twitter. It's S-H-A-W-N-T-O-M-K-I-N. You can also find more information about Ironsworn at IronsworneRPG.com. And until next time, when we return to our From the Ashes co-op campaign, uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And may all your vows be fulfilled. Mm-hmm.